0: Jeff, 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 what a momentous day. You lost the faith months ago. Months ago. Time. Months I ago. never had faith. I never lost the faith. I never had the faith. You never had the faith, but I... Listen, let, I... Me, let me tell you when I lost the faith. I can tell you okay. exactly when. The year was 2007, and I watched TCU miss a bunch of chip shot field goals inside Rice Eccles stadium that would have won the game and kept Utah out of the sugar bowl. And yet they won. And that was the moment that I lost faith that, that anything the- negative would ever happen to Utah again. But here we are. It was, we, you know, I I've compared as if we've done like our uh, truck stop tours and going on, in talking with hosts of other shows on the 1012 network, uh, you know, and saying that this is like our 40 years in the wilderness. And that is not just us wandering for this, you know, the the last decade has felt like 40 years enduring the scorn and ridicule and the arrogance of fans of a certain school that is up north from us, uh, south from you, north from me. And, you know, today was a good day. I don't think I've ever seen the internet so united than it was today dunking on the Pac-12 since Harambe died. (laughs) Oh, man, Harambe. What a sad day for that gorilla. Like, nothing... Sad, sad day. I mean, the, the Discord the last 20, 36 hours has just been incredible in peak form the amount of memes it is the the amount of messages that we've had in the last day we have a game thread going for uh we have a game thread going for the pack funeral and you know that's really i mean the baller move the absolute just the only statement released by the big 12 none of the we are proud to welcome back the University of Colorado Buffaloes as members of the Big 12 Conference with their illustrious history, bringing a national champion and Heisman Trophy winning history, blah, 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 with incredible, with powerful academics and re- like all the momo job, just two words, they're back. Yes, yeah. And baller. let's let's contrast that with the statement of the Pac-12. Two. So you have they're back, reminiscent of Michael Jordan wearing the 4-5, that's what Brett Yormark has to say. And honestly, Garrett, speaking of Brett Yormark, I think I'm ready to petition that the BY of BYU stands for Brett Yormark. We are officially Me? his university. Me, Brigham, we... you great, but people don't like you. You're kind of maybe racist, sort of, whatever. Brett Yormark University, that's my BYU. And I want to compare the Pac-12 conference with what our founding father, Brett Yormark, had to say. From their back, now let me read this this statement from the Pac-12 conference. The Pac-12 is comprised of world-leading universities and athletic programs who share a commitment to developing the next generation of leaders supporting student-athletes' academic and athletic excellence and broad-based athletic success. We remain committed to our shared values and to continuing to invest in our student-athletes. Today's decision by the University of Colorado has done nothing to disrupt that commitment. We are focused on concluding our media rights deal and securing our continued success and growth. Immediately following the conclusion of our media rights deal, we will embrace expansion opportunities and bring new fans, markets, excitement, and value to the Pac-12. A lot of words to say no words that mattered. But there was one word. I will, there was one sentence that mattered. Okay, they just lost Colorado. Presumably, and, and like people have reported this, but anybody with a brain and eyes could see why Colorado left because there wasn't progress on a media rights deal. And anybody who has a brain is looking at this. And If you just look at what Brett Yormark had to do, you look at what Bob Bolsby did, you had to secure the conference and then go get the media rights deal. You can't do it the other way around because the media companies don't want to pay for it. So the only statement from this statement that matters is this one right here. We are focused on concluding our media rights deal and securing our continued success and growth. Immediately following the conclusion of our media rights deal, we will embrace expansion opportunities. They still haven't changed. They just lost 10% of their conference. They paid tithing to the Big 12, and they're still saying, nope, our plan is working. We're going to continue to get the media rights deal first, then we'll expand second. Who's going to invest in a nine-team conference? So, well, one, nobody. Well, not at the number they want to, but the number. Did you see the article from Dennis Dodd today? Was, let's see, it was the headline we was Endeavor. Bungled have Opportunities have- to Raid Endeavor's Big 12. passive person. Bungled opportunities to raid Big 12. Passive leadership has packed 12 on brink with Colorado departing in 2024. But the key point in this, which it still amazes me, all of the people who are like, Dennis Dodd is full of crap. He hasn't been right about this whole thing, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, guess what? They were all vindicated today because they were all right. Everyone who was saying that Colorado was going to be the first to move and they've been saying it for months, they were the ones that were right. But The first, uh, you know, v rewind, right? There was an offer on the table for like $30, $35 million. Basically, the Big 12's deal was on the table for the pack. They turned their noses up and said, no, we're worth more than that. Went to market, and Brett Yormark said, yeah, that's fine. We can take this and work with this, and we'll live to die another day. And which was smart. And the key factor of that being, we we are the only P5 conference that has a pro rata clause in our TV deal. Right. So there's no, even so Washington, and Oregon, you want to go to the big 10, you're going to have to go back and negotiate how all that money is going to work. doesn't have to, you could come tomorrow and get guaranteed dollars with the big 12, but this is what Dennis Dodd said. That should let's see. Colorado's exit now makes it okay to question out loud the process. The PAC 12 has taken to this point upon losing USC and UCLA PAC 12 commissioner, George Klovkov either could not or would not get a media rights deal done in an early negotiating window last summer that should have been the first indicator of the league's diminishing value. There continues to be rumors the Pac-12 asked for as much as 500 million annually at one point. That's 50 million per team, which would have put the Pac-12 in the same orbit as the Big Ten, despite two the two biggest West Coast brands walking out the door. Like the, uh, like it's not even a, like a miscalculation. You know, a miscalculation is like you made some assumptions, you know, you didn't carry the one. It was an honest mistake. This is just like completely misunderstanding the entire situation and failing to read the room in like 1,000%. And the the fact that, I mean, it's – I posted this on the Discord a couple weeks ago that my gut – like I honestly kind of feel like at this point – he's George is stringing the league along. And, and I, th- I'm honestly like my conspiracy, which we can talk about the aliens conspiracy. I know you I know you want to do that today, but Always. my conspiracy is that he knows he screwed up. So his options are like present a crappy deal. The numbers go public teams bail And then they say, you know, his legacy is that you are the former, you know, vice president, senior vice president of Hulu, who was brought in to be the sports media expert. And you completely screwed this up because you asked for $50 million, turned down a good offer, and you killed a power five conference single-handedly. And you had no idea that your two of your biggest brands were Unhappy and walking out the door and you got approached by a conference about merging two years ago and said, no, we're too good for you. And then they started picking off your schools and killed you. That is his legacy. But if he strings it out and presents no numbers and nothing hard, like there is no concrete offer on the table, then when schools start going, then he can come back with the $15 million crappy offer. And it's, well, schools left. We had to, you know, we had to invite some G5 schools to backfill. You know, that what, you know, then, you know, my hands were tight. He can blame somebody else and com- not completely end his career if he totally ah. kills the conference before presenting a deal. I've thought a lot about this. And if he was a career college football guy, I I would be 100% on board. But, like, he isn't. And so in my brain, like, what does he really care about? His career in college football. Well, no, his careers is as the media guy who you're who from a. Yeah. If but you, like, like, what is he going to go do after this? He he could. Well, he, he was brought career, in for one reason to negotiate this TV deal. Well, yeah, but his his career was on the other side. For the most part, he was the guy controlling the media, not the guy trying to win over the media. Right. I mean, he wasn't working for like NBC, but I mean, like, he was a career banker and now he has to go get a loan. Like, he has to impress the bank. And yeah, he failed, but like, he could always go back into banking. And there's no question about it. He failed. I I I like the theory, like, because, like, Kyle, it makes as much sense as anything else because how could you just be so wrong? Like, how could you be surprised? Yeah. And you know, it's shocking. There were doubts creeping, and I had them myself. You know, that it was the if a deal was going to be done, it would be done, or if a team was going to leave, they were going to leave already, which very well was true. But then when you sit back and read the room, there were two options. There either was no deal on the table, right? With no actual specific numbers, which now we know that last week when Colorado Chancellor Phil DiStefano said, we expect to get you know an update on Thursday with hard numbers and then that did not come and i have it on good authority from people who would know that they that they there was nothing presented in that meeting in terms of like this is an actual number it was still the well we're looking and maybe talking to the cw and apples willing to do this for x number of games and fox is doing y number of games maybe But there was no actual, like, you know, soup to nuts framework of this is exactly what the deal is going to look like. Here's the partners, here's the numbers. You know, Apple's going to get the first 10 games and they're going to get the next games, whatever, blow it, none of that. So there's either no deal or every single person involved with the messaging and like communications out of the Pac 12 conference is completely inept and blinded by the point you know even to where last year what at their media day boy george was like we're getting grenades hurled at us you know from every direction that their their pr team was like hey if we have positive traction we got to spit it out like we need to get some something positive out here we got to do some damage control we need to try to control this narrative so the option is either in spite of every all of the you know 12 and on bashing against them and all of the narrative pushing against them that they still failed they either there was no deal on the table worth leaking anything positive about or they were too freaking stupid to leak any good news about anything and when you boil it down to that the simplest answer was there's no deal because even how stupid they are with like that statement they put out tonight they're not that dumb if there was anything worth reporting on they would have reported it they can't be. I mean, like, look, the, these guys may not be suited to run Fortune 500 companies, but all of these university presidents, even if they're not good university presidents, like, this is, there's, this was so common sense, right? Like, jabronis on the internet had it all figured out. Like, we had it figured out. We're not, we're not in the room. We're not smart. We're just guys. And, and we could kind of look at things and be like, the space is filling up. This doesn't make sense. Now, imagine what we could have come up with had we been privy to actual information. So like it, it just, I, I, that's the only conclusion that I can reach is that George has actually done a pretty admirable job of selling nothing to his member schools so far so that they haven't lost anybody up until today. Because that, like- I mean I that is one way to look why. at. He's doing such he's doing an awful job at trying to cobble together this deal, but then is also managing to string everybody else along. Why can't he string the TV deep guys along the same way he's stringing on the presidents along the presidents? <laughs> because you know, the, the thing TV, is, he was brought in because you TV like, guys are the ones right his check. buddies. They're supposed to be doing yeah. him a solid, right? Like they're supposed to be like this should have been a cakewalk deal because he was one of them. Yeah. And it has been everything but at every step of the way. It has been fun to be a BYU fan over the last week. I wrote today, you got double newsletters today, everybody. Garrett, you wrote a newsletter. In fact, you got triple with the introduction of the Give Them Hell Brigham Scholarship. So donate. Oh, yes, we happening. did. Uh, Yeah, that was kind of a... Dude, so if... We are up to three. There was one other person who messaged me, and we had one more student who I verified as a student at BYU. so oh, very good. So we have, we have three. Uh, we'll send out the link, and we'll put it in the show notes, and then we'll blast thing. But, yes, we are introducing the GEHB Scholarship Fund. We have three students who are paying members of our VIP community. And we're just gonna throw the link out. Whatever we get, we get. We're gonna split it equally three ways between them, and make their semester a little bit better. Uh The yeah. two that I was one reached out, and he just got home from his mission like a month ago, and he's already signed up, and he he's doing lurking more. But the other two, you know, they would they're very active on the Discord, and they're camping out for every game. They're in the student like they are dedicated fans and deserve it and so we're going to support yeah. them even if it's Let's like help them out i even if we don't give only them help like i don't even know how much yeah. we got today join give them help brigham and uh look it's a good cause you know we're helping people we're trying to help people we're more than just an outlet we're more than just you know like we're not just here to Come up with taglines and and you know try to guilt people into joining us here. Like we're trying to make a difference. We're trying to really showcase the good that BYU fans really are. Uh, we're a community. We are a real bona fide community. We're the best community. So come join the community. Help out and let's uh, let's help put some kids through school. I think that's great. But you did get two other newsletters today, and the one that I wrote about was. Hey, enjoy it this week. Like, I'm not one for trolling. Like, I I don't get into the one-on-one trolling and, you know, the vindictive whatever with individuals on Twitter. Like, that's not really my style. It happens to everybody every once in a while. But that's not really my thing. Uh, But if it's your thing, like, this is the week to make that your thing. I would not advise that be anybody's thing because it only leads to heartache and turmoil. But if that's your thing, then that's your thing. But, like, hey, make the jokes, right? Right theorize all day long about Utah going to the Mountain West conference like do it do it this is the week to do that because for 12 years BYU fans have been beat over the head with every doomsday scenario i mean there were real live uh people who would like put in writing on the internet that was documented like that, that, that could be there forever That the church was considering shutting down sports at BYU because, like, that's what's going to happen. Like, it's preposterous, and it's even more preposterous with the benefit of hindsight. It was always insane, but now it's like uber insane. That's what BYU fans have been putting up with. Like, I I quoted it in the article that or the newsletter that I sent out today, Gordon Monson's article about "Suck it up, BYU. It's time to join the Mountain West and breathe life into your football program." That was insane. You had Jason Buck, Jason Buck. Okay. Jason Buck was like, uh, he might be crazy, but Jason Buck had one take that I had forgotten about until I, I looked it up and and quoted it verbatim back in 2016. Not only did he think that the BYU should go back to the mountain West conference, which was fine. I mean, a lot of people had that, that thought it was a stupid thought, but like people can be stupid. That's their prerogative. He wanted BYU to go back to the mountain West conference and by doing so, he said, they would get to more fiestables, and they could then fill and expand Lavelle Edwards Stadium to 80,000 people. And the Mountain West Conference was somehow the link. The BYU, despite all of the success that they had had from the time Lavelle took over 50 years later to the mid-2020s, in his mind... What was lacking was, well, if we would just be in the Mountain West Conference, we could have an 80,000-seat stadium. That's what we need to do, Tom Homo. Why aren't you doing that? Go to the Mountain West and get to the Fiesta Bowl, and you'll have just people knocking down your door to come to BYU games. Like, we got crazy. I can't remember what's his name. Uh, Doug something or other that writes, like, he does, like, I don't know, it's not quite op-ed, but I think it's like freelance work for the Deseret News. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's a BYU homer. Like, that's great, be a BYU homer. Even he was writing articles about, like, eh, it might be time to join the Mountain West. Like, that's how crazy the last 12 years have been for BYU fans. So, yeah, enjoy this week, folks, because holy shit, we've earned it. It's... It's bad. Like you didn't, didn't comment on my shirt, by the way. Oh, your Coach Prime shirt. I do I do appreciate that. Yeah, it's time. You know, today felt like the right day. I've got several Colorado shirts. My goal is to, to just get some one on one time with Ralphie. I don't know how mm-hmm. it's going to happen, but I would like to have a conversation with Ralphie the Buffalo. Dude, they, I mean, it is great. There's back. So I want to know who is your. We're all in agreement if you watched the uh regent meeting today that Ken is our guy, right? Oh, Ken, yeah, Ken Ken Montero, absolute legend. He was like, it's somebody there like, is anyone it, the person, the lady hadn't even finished reading the resolution before he was like, I, I support it, let's get it done. You could tell yeah. that Ken was he was the one that was pushing for this whole thing. Yeah. And he was like that, you know, as even it was confirmed by Ross Dillinger today that back in May, and it was, you know, reported, and there was a couple other sites where some people who turned out, and maybe we have doubted, but turned out to be very plugged to this whole thing, um, that you know, we're saying there were, were meetings in May. It looked like there was that meeting in June where they had the exec meeting they scheduled the public meeting, and then it fell apart. Uh, I felt like you could tell today by who made their statements in kind of uh what what do you call it um virtue signaled about this yeah. move today that who may have been the one that said like i didn't get to say my piece yet so we're not gonna do that. we're not gonna do this public vote in two days I have to you know I have to be more involved here so there were a couple of those and you could tell who it was based on the meeting. Oh, but yeah. the I m- the greatest thing though is like the meltdown and if you you know read over on the Utah 24-7 board, they're like 500-some-odd page long, almost 600-page long thread on this topic. The about face of, you know, back in September, in October, they were saying, I would rather, you know, drop sports than go play in the Big 12 and be with BYU ever again. And now it's settling in, and you could slowly see now it's like, well, we're going to be a shoo-in. For the Big Twelve, because if they're willing to take Colorado and Arizona, then why wouldn't they take us? Which fun fact? Apparently, Colorado was the fifth highest, fifth most viewed team in the Pac-12, according to well, I Stuart mean, Mandel's admittedly bad numbers. But that's Mr. Kliopka, He's their Mr. guy. Kliovka said it himself that Coach Prime brings value. He, Coach Prime brings value. And we and we got him back. And, and, value and now my now. favorite uh, that we just saw that somebody said. Uh, you're, let's see, you're a top 30 market. No one who has done their homework thinks that BYU currently holds this market or is likely to do so in the future. We've also got, and I cannot stress how important this will become, two senators and four congressmen. So one, BYU absolutely does hold this market. It's BYU and the Jazz. Everyone else does like the high school, the recap of the Bingham versus Corner Canyon game is gonna do more numbers than anything related to Utah State and half the articles related to Utah when that happens, you know, in a few Friday nights from now. BYU absolutely does hold on number and then again, if you want to talk about Congressman, where did who are the two senators from Utah, Jeff? I don't know. Mike Lee and Mitt Romney. Mike Lee, yeah. And Mitt Romney. Two massive oh. BYU guys. Plus, you have uh John, what's his name? John Curtis is a congressman. He's one of your congressmen, went to BYU, was the freaking mayor of Provo. Burgess oh. Owens, uh, you have one Blake Moore who went to Utah, and then one guy, Chris Stewart, who's the one from up in Logan, who the congressman from Cache Valley who went to Utah State. Like, what are Mike Lee and Mitt Romney gonna do for you, Utah? They don't care. I'm not worried about like going through threads like and, and reading individual comments. It's a day of morning. The, the delusion is it's there. We've been there. Burning. Like it's there. I mean, it absolutely is there and that's fine. I, I think that that is understandable. Um, I'm just more about like, man, if this feels good to not be that guy feels good to not be the delusional right? Like we've been the delusional. How many realignment scenarios have we mold over over the course of the last 12 years? I took a day off of work in 2016 to listen to to, to that call with to the big 12. Yeah. To see if they were going to expand. Like we've been that delusional fan base. That's just been clamoring and waiting on pins and needles. It just feels good to not be that. So like, I don't, I, I mean, they're crazy. They're funny. It's funny to read. It's funny to. But like, we were not play. delusional in that we were saying we can waltz in and and we will just immediately run the league and we should or that we should sit and hold on and wait for a Big Ten or SEC invite. We were never that delusional. No, but it was a different circumstance. We have to be honest about that. Like That's it was a It was a different circumstance. circumstance. I think my favorite tweet today, though, was after the Pac-12 released that their statement of doing nothing. Was that you see the Quick Trip account took yeah. it, took their off, and it said they made their own quote and said, none of this would be happening if Quick Trip expanded further west than Arizona. It yeah. is, you know, it is like an absolute shit show when actual companies start dunking yeah. on you for it's how bad great. you look and inept and in like out of touch and inept you are appearing. I'll tell you, my favorite tweet of all of this over the last 48 hours I think it was Jason Kirk who said (laughs) that the Pac-12 could still save Colorado if Mike Pence just has the courage. I (laughs) laughed for like 15 minutes. That was the perfect tweet. I've never seen a better tweet. (laughs) The Pac-12 could still save Colorado if Mike Pence has the courage. (laughs) And I think, I mean, Uh, the one thing that I hope people learn from this is that nobody's going to say anything to a reporter to go on the record. Like well, it was that, yeah, like when you, John Kinsano cool. even like this morning was tweeting about like, well, this is just a complete blind side. You know, like they said no. last week that everyone was committed. You know, John, John Canzano is a clown. He's been in this business. But he should know better than that. What what I think, what I think we learn, right. You see, you see it from Ross Dellinger that after the news becomes official, Ross has a whole lot of details that he's putting out there in the public. The oh, date yeah. back feet feet is. And, and and that's that's how this works, right? Like Jason Shear got rolled through the mud because he went public with the rumors in the process. And now he turned out to be right. Like he was being informed of the right things. So and kudos he not make hard him. predictions either. He no, was just he never like, did. This meeting happened. I don't he never said until two days ago or yesterday that he thought someone was going to, he thought he had always stuck to in the end that the academics were going to academic and they weren't going to pull the trigger. They would get. And and so kudos to Jason for being right. But when you write for these reputable, like when you write for ESPN, when you're writing for CBS sports, right? Like you can only share what you can share. Like I, I don't, I don't get this a lot. Right. And it's certainly on a, a smaller scale, But there are things that I write about recruiting, like let's pick an individual recruit, right? Like any, like Jackson Dart. There are things that I wrote about Jackson Dart that I I would, whether it was in an article, whether it was in a message board, there were things that I said about Jackson Dart. And then there were things that I knew that were going on with his recruitment that I didn't say. And after it was all over, and after he signed and went to USC, then sure, I could fill in those details. But there are certain, like that's just the way that this process works you don't burn sources. Otherwise you don't have sources. Right. So anybody who was out there going out of their way, like a Canzano definitively saying what they knew that they, it was, it's going to be a layup, you know, all of these things that they said, like, how could you possibly have sources at that point? You don't have sources feeding you information. You have sources feeding you a narrative to go and push a narrative to go and push the PR game. Right. But Dellinger, McMurphy, like they knew more than they said all along, but they didn't know enough and it wasn't a concrete done deal. So they're not going to pretend like it is. And that's really, I think like the biggest lesson of all of this is that's how the process works And, and, and that's how it works in realignment, but that's how it works in every sports related story from, a high school recruit. Like there are guys that BYU is recruiting that, as recently as three hours ago. I have talked to that. I have an update on who they are and where things are at, but I'm not going to share any of it because one they've asked me to two. It's not concrete enough that it really means anything. And so, yeah, it's there. It's in my mind. I could piece it with other things that are going on that I've heard. And maybe I could formulate in my mind, like what's going to happen with that recruit but it's not confirmed. It's not a done deal. So I'm not going to act like it is. And, and and I think that where we had this, where, where people misstepped is it is the Canzonos and even John Wilner to an extent who I, I think John Wilner got maybe a bad rep because he, the way that he said certain things made it sound like he was definitive, but he was nowhere near the Canzano level of like, Hey, this is a done deal. He just happened to start a podcast with Canzano and I think he got roped in, but like, Those guys were, were acting as if things were done and they weren't. And anybody with eyes could see that they weren't. And so why they acted like those things were done because they were told. So I it just, it's hard for me to like be able to reconcile in my brain, how they couldn't see that they were being manipulated by whoever their sources were. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Well, and you also have to take everything in the context of like, you know, if, you're talking to Oregon State and Wazoo, which I think that's who John Consano is talking to. They're trying to paint the rosy picture because they're the only ones who are doing the PR job that the friggin' Pac-12 headquarters should have been doing the entire last thir- you know, for the last thirteen months, mm-hmm. and so it's you know and now because they screwed around on doing this, you know, it, in a way, Colorado taking longer. And Mm -hmm. waiting until now instead of pulling the trigger in June screwed the pack over more because now they have to figure out what the hell they're going to do next year with only having nine teams in the league. So they either have to play someone twice in conference or try to scramble to get nine games scheduled between for, you know, another game scheduled for each of the teams between next year or somehow figure out how to get a loan to buy, you know, to pay for San Diego State to come in the door. Assuming yeah, that's assuming sense. there's no more defections, which so ironically, I mean, we talked about this earlier that they're like, you know, we got to get the media deal done, and then we can consider expansion. No, they need to go tomorrow.
1: They and need say, to get expansion hey,
0: done. Okay, San Diego State, SMU, who else? Memphis, Tulane, UNLV, Boise, Fresno State. And when Stanford and Cal say, Well, we don't want uh, we don't want two state schools. In from the Cal State system, and we don't want Boise State because that's basically a step above ITT Tech. Everyone else in the room seemed to say, you "Sit down and shut up," because yeah. you got us into this mess in the first place because it, you didn't invite BYU in nine in the nineties. That's um, what Brett Yormark did. That we talked about, I think, last week. That Brett Yormark, if nothing else, he got he delivered a plan. We'll see if the plan works. Right, like at the end of the day, Colorado's a pretty crappy football team. Uh, maybe the Pac-12 stabilizes themselves maybe they get a deal that's better than the Big 12s maybe they did leave Excellent. money on the table I doubt it I don't I doubt it but maybe that happens right like but whatever happens whatever happens with the 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 how his plan plays out he was able to on day 1 deliver a plan with confidence that made everybody else in the room put their egos aside put their own agendas inside and say okay commissioner your mark you're our guy go Whatever you think, we're on board. And it's worked out so far. That's is great. it possible they were scared of his in-laws? <laughs> yes, it's very possible. This Before was, we like, get into the fact that Brett is a crime family, Bob Thompson, um, I mean, he's kind of made a name for himself on Twitter over the last year. He was one of the he former was... president of Fox Sports. Like He right. knows a thing or Brett... two about a thing or two. So he just tweeted this, and, and this is, I mean, I think this puts a bow on this topic, right, of, of what the Pac-12 should do in terms of expansion. He says, if I was looking at the Pac-12 as a buyer, I want to know which existing schools are in and who is coming in and when. Then we can talk dollars. Then I want outs and or downside protection if schools who I am told are staying and are coming never make it. That's Sports TV Rights 101. I mean, he's, and he's dead on. Of course, he's dead on. He's the president of Fox for crying out loud. But, like, yeah, what, who is going to give millions of dollars? Who's going to commit themselves to hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of the next few years in the name without knowing who they're paying it to or what they're buying?
1: And that's why I,
0: don't get about George because he's I don't understand on the other side of that. He knows that they're thinking that way. So why not get the expansion first? If Doesn't if I was in charge, this is what I would do. I would go ear to the ground, figure out what because okay. So the American they lost their three biggest brands. They had to renegotiate part of their deal. They brought in six new teams from CUSA. They have their deal with ESPN that's taking up slots. the The issue right now is there are not TV slots available enough for the pack to get as many as they want. Right. So, and the few that are left that they're not going to pay the number that they want. like the, the, in, there's an inventory mismatch and of and equality and fan apathy, all the other stuff. But in the end, the issue is that there's just not the right number of spots left on TV. So figure out on the Americans deal, Is there some kicker like what Bob just said? What is the out? At what point does that deal get triggered where they have to go back and renegotiate it and it's voided and do the same for the Mountain West? And you take whatever number of schools you need to from those two to nuke both of those deals. If that means you take San Diego State, Boise, and Fresno from the Mountain West and Memphis and SMU from, from the American and that puts you at 14 schools, but then you kill both of those, you just opened up. TV slots that you can be in the ring for for on ESPN, Fox and CBS, you know, the mountain West has in their contract with CBS. They have primetime games on CBS mainline to lead into the big 12 or the big 10 on CBS. So it's like, that could be yours. If you blow up the mountain West enough, I mean, easier said than done, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't know what other chance you even have at this point,
1: but that's the only
0: way they're going to get on TV. Yeah, that's, and avoid I mean, that's being the behind a streaming wall is if they kill those two TV right. deals and make them and go back I, to the table too. Or if they go with a CW or some new player yeah, in the space. Someone else yeah. there has I mean, to be it. a change in the available inventory on linear networks. Right. I, I saw it put really bluntly. I don't know if that's the word but in a way like the, the the illustration of the problem that with George's philosophy and execution put in a way that I I hadn't seen it like this yet And it just made so much sense. USC and UCLA left a year, 13 months ago, almost. They left on July 1st, 2022, right? That's when they announced that they were leaving. So 13 months have gone by, and George Klyovkov and the Pac-12 have still not done a single thing to address it. Nope. Like, they've sat on their hands. They haven't announced – I don't think they've announced like a single initiative, like a new branding thing. Like they have not they they done told, anything, and even Pac-12 shill, who supposedly – I saw someone say that like that Tony Altimore dude was on like actually being a – like was like a paid consultant for Cal or something uh, like that. that. That feels conspiracy-ish, but, but I mean I – mean, I mean he's the one who started you know calling I mean. on. But the – even he said – you know, he's Mr. Pac 12, been harping that nobody is leaving, nobody's leaving, nobody's leaving. Even he said that, you know, George spent six months trying to figure out how to keep UCLA rather than just going out and figuring out the media deal. Yeah,
1: Instead of figuring guy. out the
0: next step, he kept trying. He, he wasted half a year, and that maybe he only earnestly started working on the media deal around the time that they put out that consummation thing that was when they're like okay UCLA's clearly gone we're not going to get the board of regents to screw it out to make them stay we better yeah. really start trying out on the media deal yeah consummating that deal like that that was will Farrell in the mid 2000s who wrote that statement like the that, way was when, that was that when was when i knew that it was done that was when i knew <laughs> that was such I a didn't weird. Know when didn't know if it would be in this life or the next, but I knew it was done. Yeah, that was bizarre. But no, it's just weird, man. I I just can't wrap my head around it. He George Klyovkov took the Dan Beebe approach of how to save a conference, and he saw what happened to the Big Twelve in 2010. Like it just kept getting picked off and picked off and picked off, and everybody thought it was dead. And it took Bob Bullsby being bold and saying, hey, no, it's time to expand. We're going to add four. We're going to do it now. And then it took an innovator like Brett Yormark to come in and just drive the ship. George Klyovkov instead looked at what Dan Beebe did of, oh, we're going to lose Texas A&M and Nebraska. Oh, well, we're going to lose Colorado. No need to expand. We're going to lose Missouri. That's fine. And you just let your conference die on the vine. That's what George has done. I mean, look at it now. He has now been picked off twice and hasn't done a thing but say, we're going to try to get a media rights deal first and then expand. There is not a single other conference out there. I mean, hell, even the Big East tried to expand before it died. Uh, There's not a single other conference out there that has been able to follow that script of lose your biggest brands, stand still, and survive like it, it just hasn't happened the big the, I mean, even it's the it's a testament 12. to the quality of the fan bases that the well, support is. is there and the viewership is there to be able to withstand it we and, do and, numbers. But, uh, but even the big 12 right like the big 12 was dead if george Klyovkov had half a brain the big 12 as we know it right now is dead 12 months ago yeah cuz like, he couldn't he couldn't dead. control the people in the room to say no, like you guys need to just suck it up, get over yourselves, take yeah. TCU and Kansas State and Oklahoma State and Kansas or whoever, whoever and get this they done. They could have picked in four and it was over. Yep, but they they didn't. I mean, that was that was You know, when we go back and we look at at our own comments, right? We like, paid money for a a shirt that said Big yeah. Twelve. Nope. Yep, and it was because like it was so obvious what needed to happen. Like everybody in America. I think our first or second newsletter was saying how great Mike Oresko was compared to Bob Boldby. Well, I mean, everybody knew because like, even with the additions of BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, UCF, everybody knew that all that had to happen was that the PAC 12 just had to call. If the PAC 12 would have just said, Hey, we want four of you, Big 12 schools. Come on over. That's all that needed to happen. And everything that Bob Bullsby gets credit for today is undone, right? Like the expansion of BY, it doesn't matter. It would have been the Big East and, because that's what would have happened. But he never if, called. And even Bob Bullsby approached George K about a full on yeah. merger. And, and that it, was on just, the table. And I had, I mean, I have shocking. a friend who's very connected in the TCU world. And I remember sitting at work one day, and he texted me and was like, dude, I'm pretty sure it's happening. Like, someone in the AD told me it's happening. They're prepping for, you know, a move to the Pac-12 with three other schools because that was how easy, and it was just sitting there for the taking. Like, so I asked this question. I want to know your opinion. Which is the biggest choke job between the Warriors blowing a 3-1 lead The Falcons blowing the 28-3 Super Bowl or the Pac-12 messing, screwing this one up. It has to be the Pac-12, right? Like, it really does. Because when you really look at it, the Pac-12, they had the entire West Coast. They owned the Pacific and Mountain Time Zones. And I get it. It's not the Eastern Time Zone. But they owned two out of four Time Zones. Even without USC and UCLA, they still had the biggest brands of that half of the United States within their conference. They had an early negotiating window. They had a new innovative supposedly commissioner who was going to come in and write the ship. They have strong academic brands that are going to be like quality universities no matter what happens with athletics they had the backing of Oregon and Phil Knight and the, the billions of dollars from a diehard sports fan who was willing to do whatever it took to make it work for his conference. And despite having all of those advantages, they got beat out by a conference that had been pillaged to the point that it was a carcass just rolling down the road. And yet the eight teams and an independent school and three American schools, three G5 schools, bonded together and rallied together and, and took out that Power five that power league with all of those advantages, with all of the money from Phil Knight, with the backing, with the with the Rose Bowl, with all of that stuff attached to it. They took them out like it was. That's what's so crazy, Garrett, is it It wasn't like this is the ACC. It wasn't Florida State and Clemson who took out the Pac-12. It was Kansas State and Baylor and Iowa State. Like you they They lost to guys that nobody else wanted. Right. They lost to BYU, who they had turned their noses up at for decades. That's who killed this conference. So if this was just like, whoa, you lost and you got beat, like the SEC picked off your schools and, yeah, the Big Ten expanded fast and took Oregon and took Washington and you guys didn't stand a chance, that's one thing. But they got beat by a conference that was reeling, that was on the canvas, that was dead. They got beat by that conference. That's just – it's bewildering. Like we're going to look back at this 10 or 15 years from now and – I there's no explanation. Like, honestly, like is God involved? Because like, I don't know how else the big 12 has survived and the pac 12 is going to die. Like we could go through a, we could pinpoint like we have, we could pinpoint the missteps. Like we could do all of that stuff. And we, when you do it like that, it makes sense. Like what went wrong. What doesn't make sense is if you take a step back and you look at it and you just go, how the hell did they blow this? It does not make any sense. It, it truly doesn't, and they, um, it, yeah, there's just so many chances that they had over the course of the last decade to do this, and they just failed multiple times. Like, they failed because they couldn't get over Baylor being a religious school in 2010. Like, they could have, for the last 14 years, they've had the chance to kill this league and were unable to do it. And now they're done. Like, so what yep. do you think is going to happen next? It yeah, feels like Arizona is inevitable now, in the no, same it, way it kind of does. And that, that's what I was going to say. So I, I don't know who, I don't want to get into the who's because I don't know. I think Arizona would be next, but like, I think that Colorado Colorado took the spot for anybody, right? Like, the Big 12, we've talked about this forever ago, right? That, like, hey, go off from Washington State, they'll say yes. All you needed is one to destabilize the conference. So that's done. So this was the spot that, Hey, anybody wants it. It's yours. Now. I think that there's enough shaky footing in the PAC 12 that. uh, What seems like was the inevitable a couple of weeks ago, I think changed today. It might still be Arizona, but like, what is Washington going to do right now? What is Oregon going to do right now? Like, yeah, they, maybe they get that big 12 invite, but are they scared? Are they panicked? Are they skittish? I think so today, everything changed, right? Or like, yeah. I guess yesterday when it when it came out. But what do I think is going to happen next? People have said to me, well, the season's about to start. So I think we're done. I think we're done for a little. And that's just not true. Uh, USC, UCLA, they were July 1st, right? Texas, Oklahoma, they were July 13th. Colorado now is July 27th, 26th, 27th. So and all of the announcements around basically everything in the to 2010 2011 or all the stuff in 2011 really i mean it was what it was the big east commissioner found out that pitt and syracuse were leaving while he was at a game sitting next to oliver luck and he passed out in the press box we heard from uh, tom homo just at media days just you know two weeks ago that he got the call for bob bowlsby while he was sitting in vegas at the arizona game so I don't think that the window has closed and, and and we were wrong. I think on that Garrett, like we, we, we listened to the comments and we kind of made this assumption that, Hey, it seems like it's got to happen by August 1st ish. And, and I, it did. Maybe there I were deadlines. Colorado- and, well, Dellinger reported this, that the league gave Colorado an August 1st deadline. Yeah. And, and so like, I think there were some arbitrary things there. So maybe, you know, whatever, but like, if if they would have said August first, and that deadline would have passed, and then Colorado came around to it on August fifteenth and said, "Hey, Brett, we changed our mind. We're in." They would have got in on August fifteenth. That's just yeah, the way it, it just, would, have would have been. Maybe some so, concessions, right? And and so, yeah, I don't think we're done. I mean, I don't think it stops even just because the season is here and underway. I mean, my gosh, we should be talking about fall camp, but we're not because I, I don't think we will. You know, and and this is going to be a, a story over the next little while. So I do think somebody else leaves. I I just don't see a way that George Kleofka is able to get a deal. I mean, even in the craziest scenarios of like, let's pretend, you know, is Apple buying Disney, and so that's what's the hang-up and all this stuff. Like, it all changes, right? Without an existing contract, even that saving grace of like an Amazon coming in And buying something, buying a linear network and merging it in with their streaming platform, even something like that, the Pac-12 doesn't have a contract, so they don't have any existing value, right? There's nothing that would be acquired. And so even if Apple were to go to ESPN today and say, we want to Disney today and say, we want to buy all of you. Okay, great. They buy all of ESPN. They get access to the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, the SEC, the Big Twelve. All of that stuff. Pac-12 still not a part of that. So, like, even and still, like, they still they can't magically make up more time slots unless they yeah. want to add another ESPN channel that they put on right. TV. And and so I I just I don't know where the deal comes from unless it's all streaming. And if it's all streaming, great. I, it's it goes back to what we talked about a week ago. If if they present a deal, and even if it's forty million dollars to move to Apple, right? Because like, they just lost a piece of the pie. So maybe it's a you know they can get the forty million dollars to school between the nine of them, a three hundred sixty million dollar a year deal, and it's all on Apple. I don't think any team is signing a grant of rights. I don't think any team is committing to that. They may and end Apple's up not having to them forty million playing. without their grant of rights. And, and they're not right. And so like. <laughs> I don't know where it comes from, so I don't know that it happens this week. We're gonna see things. I mean, we've seen enough realignment stuff to know what, like, we can predict what is gonna happen. There's gonna be MH Ver. There's gonna be the anonymous accounts. Like, those things are gonna come up. You're gonna see all kinds of predictions of, hey, this is the week. It's Arizona week this week. Watch for August 13th. Like, you're gonna see all of these things, and maybe they're true, maybe they're not. I don't know if it happens this week. I don't know if it's two weeks. I don't know if it's two months. But I do think eventually there's at least another Pac-12 school that goes. What I'm really curious, and this is me reading between the lines, but what I'm really curious about is Brett Yormark continually talked about 14 teams. He has talked about 14 being the right number for him. And I know that Brett McMurphy said that, hey, they'll they'll add up to three if they can get three. I guess maybe Brett Yormark is trying to, like, motivate and get somebody to move fast saying there's only they're only going to go to 14 that's possible but the way that he continually talks about 14 i would like to see the contract with espn and fox is that pro rata clause only going to be allowed for two additional schools at least I, the not, I had never heard that until i saw some random byu fan comment that on in the comments on a Reddit CFB thread yesterday. I'd never heard that it was only two teams until yesterday. And, you know, Astra, I still, yeah, I, that's weird. I think the 14, I think, you know, similar to giving Colorado a thing. It's, it's, you put the pressure on, you get Arizona that gives you, I mean, Phoenix and Denver are two of the biggest, fastest growing metros in the country. Right, And moving forward, Utah is a fast-growing thing. We are talking about and BYU owns like you're getting the younger populations and growing metros where people care about sports in the West Coast by locking down Phoenix, and you can say that Tucson is in Arizona. Arizona fits so well with the Pac-12 school. It's the Ag school. It is in a college yeah. town with no pro sport. Well, they have a in a AHL whatever. Yeah, like a minor league hockey team. Um, so it's like that's your only pro sports competition. They that city revolves athletically around the university, but then even up in Phoenix, even up in here in the Phoenix area, if you look at TV numbers in the actual Phoenix market, Arizona basketball draws more viewers here than ASU does, and football is about 50 50. So you're locking yeah. down the entire state of Arizona here, really. You're getting all of Denver. That's good. You add new stuff, then I think you can go, you say that you want 14 that, and then you can really start to put the pressure on washington and yeah. oregon and washington has a six million dollar deficit and maybe you can get washington to jump in front of arizona and you're yeah. using washington now to get arizona to hurry up and move along and those are the two that you're putting in the prisoner's dilemma trying to get them to go right and yeah. then after that you're saying okay well does washington gleefully jump in just to be on the life ra- raft because they're iffy now about the big 10 and it hasn't come yet and then what's Oregon going to do? Are they going to try to go independent? Is their ego going to keep them Oregon, out the Big 12? I, the more I sat and thought about Oregon, okay, I know that we have this tendency to believe that everybody in the Big 12 is Texas-ish, right? Like the state of Texas thought process. But like Iowa State's a pretty liberal school. Iowa's a pretty liberal state by and large. Like they're a pretty liberal school. So ignoring the politics, because I think that Colorado's coming in now and that's a pretty liberal place, right? So, yeah, Oregon is pretty liberal. Ignoring that, it's a college town. It's a rabbit-bound base. They don't have competition around them from a professional league, right? Like, Portland's not close. And I guess they have the Trailblazers, but that's really it. And even that, like, it's not – it's like, I don't know, St. George and the Jazz, like, sort of kind of close. I don't know. Right. Right. There's a lot of reasons that Oregon actually kind of makes sense to me. When you talk about, so people are saying, you know, what will what, like how low of a number will Washington and Oregon take from the big 10 just to be in the club? Okay. When they say that, you know, like, what are they, how much are they willing to give away? Especially, you know, cause it makes sense, right? It's like, well, the pack was only offered 20 million six months ago. That's not on the table now. It's going to be twelve or fifteen million versus thirty million. Either way, you're going to be all streaming, so you might as well be all streaming in the Big Ten on Peacock versus on Apple with the Pack Ten, Pack Eight, whatever. The if that's what you're looking at, okay, then yeah, that makes sense. Like you know, See, go and there, I, do that. I, but I, if I'm if I'm Oregon and that's what my op like my 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 options are, is take no money to just be in, in the club. Don't you think? that if i'm oregon i'm washington i can go to the to the big 12 and be competitive and maybe win as many national championships there as that's, i would if i was in the big 10 that's what i was going to say or the club is not the big 10 club i mean if you take oregon and washington and add them to the big 12 there is no like Big Ten and SEC are going to break away and form their own professional league and do a collegiate Super Bowl with just them too. That's, ne- that's not that's not going to happen. Like players no. are going to start getting paid, but that's not going to happen. Like this whole like complete break off. Like I, if that happens, that's a long time down the road. And that's not too gonna many happen. Non- non-football sports. Like there's too, too many non-football sports. There's too much like antitrust stuff. There's too much like that has to be chipped away at methodically and what they'll do is they'll end up just start paying players and make them employees and be done with it and be on yeah. their way and they'll do like some cap of whatever to try to make it more fair like they'll do something so you don't have it's not going to be like clear free agency where you like you're bidding for players but they'll they'll try to do something do some kind of rev share or whatever and with that though the Big 12 especially then maybe you turn around so it's like, okay, let's say you add Washington, Arizona, Colorado, and Oregon, you kill the Pac-12, the ACC is still iffy, maybe the SEC, Big Ten, expand, whatever. Even, you know, if the ACC kind of falters, Clemson and Florida State, Miami, and I don't know, like North Carolina go to the SEC, Virginia, Duke, somebody else, whatever, go to the Big Ten, and then you pick up Louisville and Virginia tech and NC state, whatever th- you're not going anywhere like that, those three leagues, that's going to be the future. That's going to be it. And if there's a breakaway, yeah. it's going to be those three leagues in a new, into a new conference, into a new division yeah. and maybe breaking away from entirely from the NCAA and maybe doing their own basketball tournament. Cause the basketball right. tournament, especially if you add, you know, a couple, you know, you add a UConn and Gonzaga and St. John's and Xavier or Villanova, whatever into this league for as basketball only schools, you can't the big 10 in the sec, as much as football drives the bus and we know it drives the bus, they will not make a move that completely delegitimizes their basketball program. And if you have the, so they will not make a move without taking the best basketball conference with them. And so if you have every, all of the good brands now, like what you said earlier about like how the pack had the entire mountain and Pacific time zones locked down, the big 12 would have that locked down and they would have the, you know, the central time zone they're splitting. And then they, I mean, the Eastern time zone, they don't really have, but it's like, it's there. You're not going anywhere. The, the goose is cooked. Like it is the stability. Yeah. I think the biggest thing in that meeting today with the board of regents, that is just so damning for the pack is the one regent said, It is my fiduciary responsibility as a regent of the university to vote yes today. Like that just paints such a bleak picture of what yeah. the financial outlook for the pack is. And so yeah, what does Oregon do? Do there? I mean, it's always hard with these academic types, like right? Do they pull? Are they like Stanford and Cal, where the like? May, yes, they have the rabid fan base, but is the university president w- or the chancellor willing to pull the trigger? That's a big TBD. But I think if you got Arizona, you can pressure Washington, and then you can pressure Oregon. And then I, you're sitting- I think Colorado's move today. May I? I think this is the shock wave. Even if you're an academic. I think that aside from Stanford and Cal, I think that this move goes, holy shit, like it wasn't yeah. just a doomsday scenario. This could actually happen. And yep. so that's why I say, I think yesterday everything changed. The entire everything changed. changed. If I had to my predictions, uh, so I went back and looked at some timelines of like, you know, Pitt and Syracuse announced in September that they were leaving. And then it was like in October is when, the end of October is when TCU and West Virginia announced that they were going to the big 12 and then it wasn't until, you know, and they announced at the end of October that they were joining the following year and and whatever. I think that we see Arizona before labor day we see, or okay, I'll say like before like week two, maybe like because of traveling stuff. I did see Jason Shear say that, uh, Bobby Robbins is in London right now on vacation, right? So, like, the uh, by like week two, end of September, early in the football season, Arizona will announce their departure. And then by Christmas, we will see Washington do the same thing because I think, gun to their head, they're gonna be like, We need the money. And I think the fact that they need the money. In their case, even aside from the culture fit, the fact that they're in the hole financially and the Big 12 makes enough money to bridge that gap and puts them at a surplus and above a balanced budget, the academics who say like, oh, well, maybe the academics don't care about sports. Well, if they look at it and say, okay, well, you can actually pay your bills instead of taking money from other places at the university where it belongs – you're going to that i think washington eventually will get pushed over and then it's all eyes on oregon and if oregon wants to say like no we're too good for you we're going to wait out for the big 10 we're going to try to go independent whatever then friggin add memphis or Yukon, i don't care you could add add boldly tech at that point to get to number 16 and it wouldn't bother me yeah i mean i i could absolutely see that scenario playing out um I don't know. It's going to be interesting. And I do think that the Oregon Washington thing is going to be really interesting to watch because they have just said and thought that the big, Tw- the big 10 would come calling. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I just don't there. at 16 teams. When you get to 24, like that's been kind of the thought is that, Hey, if everybody gets to 24, that's the number 24 the, is a lot. That's 24 you, there's no lot. such thing as three 24 team conferences. That's six no, 12 it, team conferences. 24 is a lot of teams. And so even if they get to 20, which is still a lot, it's a lot to manage. Like the whack figured that out that, whoa, like 20 is a lot. Even if they get to 20 teams, there's a lot of brands in the ACC that are going to make a lot of sense. And does the big 10 want to fill up spots when they could potentially just hold out and wait and see what the ACC does. And and You know what I mean? Like that's, I think that's, that's a variable that really isn't being discussed because the ACC is locked in with their crap for so long. But like, if I am the big 10 and most of my schools are in that Eastern central time zone, do I really want Oregon and Seattle? Like, is that really that valuable when I could go and get Virginia, Virginia tech and have a shot at the North Carolina's? Yeah. Like, I mean, I I've been so. saying like, this since last June you know, our first episode or July, I guess, since they announced on June 30th, the big 10 does not have a travel problem. USC and UCLA have a travel problem. The big 10 adding two more schools to make one weekend easier a year for USC and UCLA makes it more annoying for the other 14 members who would have to approve adding new schools on top of the fact that the big 10 does not have a pro rata clause in their contract. There is the same issue with adding new, you know, with inventory for the pack. I mean, you're only talking about two schools instead of, you know, 10. So I guess in theory, the inventory is there, but that inventory is largely open on ESPN because that's where a lot of the pack games were the big 10 does not have any relationship with ESPN currently. Yeah. And ESPN so, does not have the money right now. ESPN is not going to bite off more college football right now. And, and it so, makes sense to give yourself that travel problem for LA, right? Like LA right. makes sense. It's hard to argue. And they still kind of sort of did, but it's hard to argue with, against the opportunity to add LA. Yeah. Well, and, and LA is when it's, that's a true travel partner where it's, you are fly, taking one flight out, one flight back, staying in a hotel for three nights. Your basketball yeah. team is taking a bus, to you know taking a bus to westwood and taking a bus to usc and that's an actual travel partner right that's not you know you're still got to fly why you would to seattle exactly you know you're doing a triangle not an actual straight trip and on top of that too like i mean when you go to with all these schools there are alumni for a lot of the big 10 schools especially the bigger one i mean like Ohio State and Michigan are massive schools, right? In terms of just sheer number of alumni, there's a lot of them in New York. There's a lot of them in LA. When they're in LA, everyone can go out and do their thing. You give your fans a thing. Like people got business trips out there, whatever. Like you said, LA matters, but it's like there's into in, Seattle to some extent, a little bit. You know, Seattle's the biggest. I mean, of. every Big Ten school they're gonna sort have. They're gonna have alumni at Microsoft and Amazon, right? Who are gonna sure. be doing stuff, but it's not to the same levels in LA. But Eugene, like who the frick lives an hour and a half outside of Portland? Nobody. No, man. Who so, lives in Portland? I mean, who from right. Iowa lives in Portland? Nobody. Right. And so there's. So for that, it's it doesn't bring the same weight, but here's the crazy. thing. So we talked about as we wrap up here with a little, con, you know, what if, if you're smoking pipe here, uh, we talked about Oregon, you know, saying like, okay, well, I just want to be in the club. The club is access, you know, clear access to this expanded playoff, which is probably, if one more team leaves from the pack, it's probably, it's not going to be six auto bids. It's going to be five auto bids in, starting in 2026. The format well, is it done. Might, it might still be six, it. but they'll just say the SEC gets it no matter what. Yeah. Um, But the, is there a, a timeline? in which USC and UCLA say you know what this travel isn't worth it to us and how annoying this is whatever the Big 12 you've beefed up a little bit like there's still a revenue gap but it's not insurmountable to where we want to have to deal with all of this travel we're happy being in the Big 12 and still being have going to this tournament we still have access to this football playoff thing like we can still make a run any given year at a national championship we're going to move from the Big Ten to the Big 12 because being on an island like this just flat out sucks. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so either. But that would be that that's like the uh that's the Avengers version, right? Where it's like Doctor Strange sees a billion ways of that yeah. this could a billion timelines, and there's only one way that happens. That's what happens. And really, I mean USC and UCLA have a travel issue, but it's not any different than nobody talks about that with Hawaii in the mountain West. Right. Yeah. That's a great example, but I mean, again, Hawaii is also football only. And, you know, the rest of their sports are in the big West, which are all schools in California, but it's still like, you got to hoof it from, you know, Honolulu to Honolulu to LA is not like a quick jump. Right. But, but it's, it's exactly what you say. Hawaii has a problem. The Mountain West has a week. Yeah. So they're not going to go. Yeah. You're not going to add another school just for the sake of adding another school. But mm-hmm. Jeff, this was a good episode. I'm excited. We finally have some movement. We were, I was rewarded for my patience. You it, it was never for me about like being patient, wondering if they were going to do it. It was more like if they don't do this, they're just stupid because you could, it did not take rocket science to figure out there was no deal. And there still is no deal. And there's not going to be a deal. That's that's the thing. There is still no deal out there. Yeah. If there so, was a deal, it would have been done. If there's deals going to be done. Actually, one last quick thing. You, you did mention earlier that you did talk to some recruits. I'm sure did this come up today as like, you know, did you ask like, hey, what about this like Colorado thing? Like, are you worried about like the future of the pack? I mean, because we've talked a lot about how, Kids don't, and I did see one Utah fan today, be like, even if we go to the Pac-12, it's, you know, recruits, we're still going to clean up, or Big 12, we're going to clean up on recruiting because all these recruits will have grown up knowing that Utah stomps BYU and Utah plays in the Rose Bowl every year. That was something that Utah no, to, and, it, and we've talked about how, like, players don't really think that way because they look at it and they're just like, well, I'm going to be the difference maker. Like, I am, They do. You know, I am right. Him. Well, and and... <laughs> We have such a distorted version of history in our heads, right? Like, hey, yeah, they grew up and Utah just beats the pack or beats BYU. That's what happens. Uh, That's true, right? Over the last twelve years, thirteen, that's absolutely true. It's it's undeniably true. But like, let's just take somebody in the class of twenty twenty three. The last time that when did when did BYU and Utah play? It was 2019, right? It was the last time Utah beat BYU because they didn't play in 2020. BYU won in 21. They didn't play last year. They won't play this year. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So if I'm in the class of 2023, or excuse me, I guess it's the class of 2024. If I'm in the class of 2024 right now, I'm 16 or 17 years old. I will be turning 18 during my senior year, which means that I was 13 maybe 12 13 14 years old the last time Utah beat BYU like tell me how many real football memories you have from when you were 12 or 13 years old you just don't have that many and so yeah as, as us as adults right that like we're in our we're in our mid 30s others are in their 50s right like we have that benefit of we remember 30 years worth of college football but kids don't right and so when utah went to the pack 10 Pac 12 when they formed the Pac 12 nobody really cared that BYU had dominated the rivalry for 30 years under Lavelle Edwards they just didn't care it didn't matter and I, I get it Utah had their run under Urban Meyer in the early part of wit but the rivalry was pretty split but it didn't matter because the pet the power five the Pac 12 like that's what mattered that kid in 2008 didn't care about urban Meyer in 2005 or in 2003 going to BYU and beating him in the snow. It didn't matter to him because that kid that at that point was 11 years old. Like he didn't remember. Right. And, and that's what we, we struggle to like comprehend, That that's the context that I think fans forget. So yeah. When I we will talk also about- just remind people that Utah has not beaten a non PAC 12 our five opponent, since their 2017 bowl game against West Virginia. Yeah, That's a long time. Um, So what do these kids care about? So I reached out to a few kids today, and I'm not going to name names or anything like that. I did it with complete anonymity for them because, like, it doesn't matter. And I think I talked to five, and four of the five said, I don't really care, not really thinking about it. Like if one of them said, if another school leaves and the conference folds, then like, yeah, that's a big deal. But like, they're not really thinking about it. And you got to put yourself in the mind of a high school kid. Are there high school kids that are like Uber focused on being the valedictorian and getting to college? Like as soon as they step on campus in high school? Yeah, of course there are. But generally speaking, like if a high school, how many times did you walk into class and go, oh shit, we have a test today. Like you just live in the moment, right? Yeah, like you, you, you don't think ahead. You don't plan ahead. You're living that day, like that's what matters. That's how most high school kids are, and so for the most part, these guys are like, no, I don't really. I'm not that worried about it. Uh, and the things that they do worry about, right? Utah still sending dudes to the NFL. That's still going to run for you know a while, even if they go to the Mountain West Conference. They're still going to send guys to the NFL over the next two or three drafts. So like the, the, the trickle, there will be a downturn in recruiting. If Utah were to like get left out somehow, but even that it would be a trickle. It wouldn't be like an overnight immediate. Oh, everybody's gone. Holy cow. The spigot has run out. It would be a slow trickle until three or four years from now. Oh, wow. Like Utah doesn't recruit like they did five years ago and they were going to Rose bowls. Also, nobody gives a damn about going to the Rose bowl and losing. Like that doesn't matter. Utah fans do. Well, I know, but a recruit, like they just, it matters when it's like in the moment. Like if you ask a guy, Hey, did you watch Utah play in the Rose bowl? That's a really cool thing. I don't think it matters to most recruits. Like they'll say that it does. And that's, what's hard is they'll say that it does. Like, if a reporter asks, oh, yeah, playing in the Rose Bowl, what a cool opportunity. But there's not a single kid in the country that is like, oh, well, I was going to go to BYU, but damn, that Rose Bowl, I better get there. Like, yeah. that's, they don't make their decisions. It's a cool thing. It's like jerseys. Yeah, it's super cool to have lots of jerseys and new helmets and stuff, but nobody's making their decision based on the jersey. It's right. just a cool thing that happens as a result of your decision. Right. And I think... I mean, with that, it's the three or four years, it would be interesting. And one thing we do have on the agenda, I know, so we wrap up is like, what's the impact of this on Kyle Whittingham? And again, that's, you know, kind of what that one kid that you talked to said is if another school goes, like if this goes the way of the big East where, you know, it's the, the four schools that we mentioned Washington, Arizona, Oregon, Colorado are all gone. This league is decimated it's clear and you know cuz it was early once schools started dropping from the big east then the narrative started coming out that it was like you know the big east was going to lose its spot in the like guaranteed spot for a new year's day bowl and once that narrative starting started then you started to see the three or four year you know the dr- the drop off of those programs that got affected who were left behind with the transfer portal being a thing now Assume, yeah, that could change. I mean, you could talk about there's kids like kids at Utah signed that are on missions. They're gonna come back from a mission. is in the Big Twelve. Utah is in their last year of you know or even all this <laughs> if if three teams leave you know announced they're leaving from the pack starting in 2024. They're gonna come back from the mission where the pack is. Basically, a you know a decimated conference, not what they signed to, and people are talking about how they're going to change how this access works for this new twelve-team playoff. Yeah, it will be like to the like people will be like the doors are open. The transfer portal just completely changes that game from what was the last time we saw this happen a decade ago. Yeah, there's no question about that. In fact, uh, there's one guy that I know he didn't sign with BYU. BYU would have loved him. Um, and, and he made comment of, it doesn't really matter what I do right now because I'm going on a mission. And he even said verbatim, the PAC 12 might not even exist when I come back. So like, we'll see what happens. Yeah. He had signed with a PAC 12 school. And so like, yeah, you're just really smart by him. Take that offer there because you know, like he was good enough. I know you're talking about that. If he called up and said he wanted to come to Provo, they'd figure out a way to get him there. Yeah. They're going to, yeah, he could go anywhere. Right. And so. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's how it works. So the, the impact, nobody's going to have an impact today. Like there's going to be anecdotal exceptions to that, of course, but like the impact on PAC 12 recruits, the benefit for BYU, it's not going to be there today, but could it be there? Take a cash Dylan as an example, who, who is still undecided, right? Uh, everybody kind of thinks it's BYU or Utah, but there's other players in the mix, right? Washington's kind of there. UCLA kind of there too. Uh, could this, like now that being that he's not decided, could his, could he be watching this and, you know, and if things unfold quickly? Yeah, it probably does have a pretty big impact on what he does. However, if Utah were to find their way into the, the big 12 and he was between BYU and Utah, his decision's exactly the same, right? Like it right. doesn't make any difference to him. So the, the the net benefit for BYU, there's just not enough concrete anything yet for it to be a thing because yeah. you know it, BYU Kalani's not a negative recruiting kind of guy nor should he be because if BYU opens that door uh, the negative recruiting that would find their way about BYU would be uh, like non-stop it would be a barrage that they could never combat uh, so even if BYU were to go that route we still don't know what's going to happen to Utah right like you have to know what the end looks like Right. Because if you go in and you negative recruit and say, hey, don't go to Utah, local kid, because if you go to Utah, you're going to play in nowhere. It's going to be crappy. It's going to be terrible. And then Utah ends up being in the Big 12. Well, everything you just got that kid to believe, it's now not true. And that kid is now questioning everything that you have told him. So the benefit will come later, but it depends on what happens in the interim. A thought that I just had of this when you mentioned Cash Dylan. And this is for reals, for reals, my last thought. I mean, we talked about duplicating marks. We kind of talked about the tables like, you know, if you get Arizona, you probably, no matter what Utah has done recently, no matter what ASU has done, you know, you, you have to knock them down in favor of getting a Washington and Oregon or whatever, not just because it'd be grand, but it's like, you're not the incremental, the marginal value add from adding a second school in the region in terms of TV numbers is just, yeah. it's not. Like as big as adding an entire new place. So, is that similar with recruiting? Right. We're just talking about like you know Utah's going to have a hard time recruiting. And imagine you know if BYU was in the Mountain West still, and it or not even to BYU. I mean, really, if BYU wasn't BYU and or related to the church and got left behind in 2010, we would be Utah State, right? Because there's oh, nothing. Yeah, There'd be nothing really, special yeah. to pull in. You know, oh, yeah. the Bronson Cafusis, the oh, yeah. uh, you know, all the the tan the Tanner mangoes, like all the I've said things. forever. There there is no reason that Fred Warner should have even picked up the phone when BYU called. Right. But because so, of the church, that's why. Right. And so if you so if you take Arizona and Arizona State, Arizona's a growing population, there's more and more kids every year coming out and signing out of the state of Arizona. If you take Arizona State. That is in the if you're the Big Twelve, it props up Arizona. If Arizona State gets turned into like a G five school and is in the Mountain West 2.0, the kids that are being split between Arizona and ASU are going the top half of that. Like they're all going instead of splitting that the cream of the crop in the state that decides to stay in state, they're all going to be going to the better school instead of like you get five, you get five, and then you're searching everywhere else, right? So I, I think so. I, I Sort of, I think so. I think now the world is shrinking. Uh, Arizona and Arizona State, I mean, BYU and Utah, we'll take it here locally. Top 10 kids in the state, BYU and Utah are only getting four or five of them combined. The rest of them are going out of state now. And I think that's what happens. If you split it and you, you, you add Arizona and ASU becomes a de facto Mountain West school. Uh, Arizona still has to recruit their tail off, but for the most part, I think you just see more guys leave Arizona. So, Well, uh, yeah, of like the top 10, but when you get down to who are, but when you get down to like your death pieces who really round out the roster and make your team a great team, you know, it's the top 10, yeah, for sure in the state, but when you get to like spots 11 through 30, instead of 10 going to Tempe and 10 going to Arizona and then Arizona's like, oh, we got this low three-star kid who's local, probably wish we would have had him as a PWO, but like, we're going to take him. He has an offer from SDSU. We're going to take him. You're taking kids where it's like, yeah, half the pack would want him. Like, you know, he's got multiple big 12 offers. He sure. wants, if he wants to stay home, he's going to stay here. So I, I have one last thought before we wrap up. You've had, a have like five last, last thoughts, thoughts. So you are in I got one last one. Uh, no, what you do on the field still does not matter. I, I I'm, like that's something like Utah fans have said it. Like everybody has said it. Like Utah fans, yeah, you've won the back the Pac-12 conference in back-to-back years. That's awesome. You might win it again this year. Great football team. Great football program. Whittingham is a great coach. The the what has been true all along and realignment is still true. That if it was about on-field production, it would be very different looking conferences. Like it just doesn't matter. And so one thing I, I appreciate about Brett Yormark is he has, he seems to have an eye for the potential that a school has. And I think that that is what drives conference realignment much more than anything that you've done recently. And so as we think of these scenarios, right? Like even a, a school like UConn, like, don't think about what UConn is today Think about what UConn could potentially become. And I don't know. We all have varying opinions of that, but that's just like this prevailing thought that I've had in my mind of realignment. Like nobody cares that you went to two Rose Bowls. Like that's really cool. And that might get you noticed. We've talked about it in like a job. Since you went to two sugar bowls. Well, right. Exactly. And it's kind of like one of those things, right? Like, okay. If you went to Harvard and that's on your resume, that's going to stand out and really matter to me. If you have an undergraduate degree from Iowa State, I don't really care, but you have an undergraduate degree. So, like, that could maybe get you in the door. But your interview is what's going to matter to me, right? If I'm hiring right. you, like, what you do for me and what I think you can become at my company with working on my team, that's what matters to me. Your degree from Iowa State, great. Like, I needed a degree to person. So now you're in the door. That's kind of what like the Rose Bowls would do for Utah. The Rose Bowls, like, okay, maybe that helps them get onto the radar of like we maybe we should consider these guys, but it's the potential and the future. And that's not to say that Utah does or doesn't have you potential and future, but when realignment happens, everything is based on what teams can become, not what teams have done. That's right. why Colorado is so appealing for the Big 12 if they can get back into Texas, if coach prime stays there for even a few years, like Colorado can become what they were in the nineties. And that would be a really competitive team in the big 12 conference, Arizona, yeah. like everything you've described growing population. There's more money in that program than, than I think people realize that there is coach fish is, seems like he's got things going on the right track. Arizona could become great. They could continue to be a national powerhouse in, in basketball. Like, so when you look at Arizona state or Arizona, like right now, yeah, Arizona state's probably the better program that you'd want, but Arizona might be able to become something bigger and better. And anyway, just felt like I needed to get that off my chest. Realignment yeah. is about who you might be, not what you are today. Right. And who you, who you might be. And obviously there's different guesses. Like what can UConn be? What can you and be? Why have they not been that in the past and has something changed now that can Change like is there something in the equation that has changed mm-hmm. that will you're not you know repeating because right like i mean of the new when the super whack broke up the only new school that got taken to the mountain west was unlv because it was vegas in hopes of vegas and it has never done a damn thing but is there something in the equation that can change and yep and and what that becomes a wild thing i just learned as i w- we were talking about Cincinnati here for a second. Cincinnati never went to a bowl game until 1997. That was our first bowl game it was in 1997. I knew that they were like, not great until conference USA formed. And then they got into a conference and here's a good example, right? It's in a Metro area. They got into a conference, their boosters stepped up, they started funding. And now they have been known for the last two decades as the school where good coaches go to like, they get picked off like, Luke Fickle, Brian Kelly, Butch Jones, Mark D'Antonio. Um, they, you know, they've got all of these coaches jumping off. But yeah, they'd only won eight games uh like two times before nineteen ninety seven. And there was a year where they in the eighties when they were almost like down they were going to be downgraded to one double A because they were so bad that the like the NCAA was going to force him to move down, but they said oh, we better figure this out, and they did it. So that you know, it, it's it really is just a matter of commitment and investment. And as that circle, uh, as the club becomes more exclusive, it gets easier to pull better players because the players want to the best players want to be in that club. So it's been a great episode. We're running up on an hour and a half now. Uh, we will be back. If you have not joined us yet, go to gehb.co or give them help Brigham.com. Either one take you to the same place, sign up for the newsletter, join us on the discord. You want to be in the VIP channels. That's where the most fun happens. The last two days on the discord have been really the most fun since like, I mean, it, it was truly Like in the the season. season game thread you got, if you were iffy, you got a taste of what it's like. Great time um, for everything and everybody. Uh, so, Come join us. It's a blast. And uh, until next week, Jeff, give them hell. Give them hell.